Oh, hey, 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 folks. This is part two of two with Rob Collins, Esquire, where we get more into the nuance of his customer service specifics. As you are all used to with this podcast, we sometimes break up interviews because I could talk forever to these people that I love so much. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go back and listen. It's already aired. So how have you missed it? But Rob works for Hope, which is Housing Opportunities Project for Excellence Incorporated. They are based out of Florida. And if you have any housing discrimination questions, they would absolutely be able to help you. So visit their website at hopefhc.com. That's H-O-P-E, FrankHeroCharlie.com. And ask for Rob. Tell him this podcast sent you and he'll be able to direct you to someone who can help you in your state if you are not located in Florida. They are a great resource for that. And Rob is lovely, as you already know, if you listen to part one and you'll learn he's even more lovely as you listen to this second part. And you can go to their website and find out more information. Otherwise, listen, laugh, share, tell your friends, buy me a pony. Okay, bye. Oh, hi. You're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky ones that got out and all of the good, bad and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I currently work or I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. We are back. And now it is time for the entrees. Okay, Rob, this is the speedy speed round of questions because not only is the job you just described a ton of customer service, but you have had other positions that have been customer service. So what was your first job ever, ever, ever? Uh, I was a summer camp counselor. Oh, of course you were. Rob is very, very good with kids. Okay, so what did what did that entail? Uh, actually, I was uh, worked at a place... It was an inclusion. So I was assigned a, uh, a boy with autism who his parents wanted him to be in a mainstream camp. And so I was his like personal assistant all day. And he was actually nonverbal. And so it was just my job to have him help him participate in the activities with other kids. Okay. Yeah. That was probably very intense, but I won't make you go into that. Okay. Yeah. Um, how many customer service jobs have you had? Feel free to list them. Take your time figure it out. So I would count that. That's one because that was your first job ever. So that was that one because that's customer service. Although it was one-on-one being camp counselor in general is customer service, I feel. Then I was a supervisor at a community center for the park district. Okay. Oak Park. I was, I guess a lot of things that I'm thinking of are, are actually volunteering. I wasn't a you mean like paid or volunteer? Well, you can, I mean, I feel like customer service can be, you can go either way with it because I think it informs how you interact with the world because I think you've had a ton of customer service. So that I've got two so far. So then I was a, I was a mentor for at-risk kids. Wow. Um, I was, uh, I worked at the front desk at a children's hospital here in Miami, children's hospital. Now it's called my Nicholas Children's Hospital. Rob's a real piece of shit. If you haven't picked that up on the podcast, <laughs> Rob's just really here to fuck up the planet and be a selfish piece of shit. I mean, okay, word four, Josh. I appreciate jobs. what you're saying, but oh. I, I stole from all these places. Shut up, Rob. Word four. <laughs> Keep going. What else you got? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. And then I do this job here okay. where I, yeah, I mean, I, I do intake. You heard my phone ringing in the background. I do intake here. Because uh, other things I'm thinking of were more like there's some advisory boards and there's some like 
I'm not even going to say the rest because I'm tired of compliments. So, <laughs> All right. I'll <laughs> shut up and make you feel like a real piece of shit. Okay. So we've got five customer service jobs. Does that feel right to you? Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So of the customer service jobs, not of all of your jobs, but of the customer service jobs, what was your favorite? Oh, I'm going to say all of it. I can't pick one. Okay. They were all great. Okay. Yeah. They were all great. for. I mean, they were apples and oranges, but they were all wonderful for what they were. Okay. And, and as people tune into this podcast, I will not have them being like, oh, you didn't choose us. Fuck I you, figured. Rob. I know. Well, Rob, you're, God, I hope you run for office someday. Um, <laughs> good. Well, good answer. And so then I, I, I shouldn't then follow it up with which was your least favorite because obviously there was. I'm not going to say, favorite. yeah. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Good way to sidestep. What's the weirdest <laughs> thing you've been asked to do whilst you were on the clock of any of the jobs? Oh, that's a good question. You know what? I, it's not. It's 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 benign, but uh, I've been asked to. Uh, when I was a supervisor at the park district, one of the parents was like, "Hey, do you babysit?" And I never had. Um, but I was like, "Uh, no." And I was honest. I'm not gonna lie. But I was honest, and I said no. But they said, "Well, do you? You know, you want to or whatever." And so I ended up like becoming a babysitter for these kids. This brother, these two brothers, who went to programs at the park district where I was a supervisor. These people just kind of put another job on me, which I had never, I had never babysat. And I ended up in my whole life, if only I was babysat, like for money, two different families of kids. But it was weird to like have somebody throw a job at me. I was, I was like, hey, thank you. Thanks for thinking of me like that. <laughs> okay. Cool. So that's seven. I just added two more to your total customer service role because I think babysitting is customer service because you're dealing Fair with parents enough, yeah. and kids yeah, yeah. and it's complex. And so, so that's the weirdest thing you've been asked whilst you're on the clock. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. I mean, other things were within the purview of my jobs, you know, like, so like here where I work at Hope, uh, someone has asked me to like represent them in court or like, could you come down and give my manager a talking to, which is definitely not something I'm going to do, but <laughs> that wasn't, that was to me, the babysitting stands out to me. Yeah, that's odd. Okay. Um, what's an incident? And I just, I already know the answer to this. I'm asking it because these are the questions I answer or ask, but what incident made the mask to speak with your manager? Tell everybody no. None. Not one, Rob. Oh, like, oh, to complain about me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that hasn't happened. Uh, it was shocking. <laughs> I, was, no, I, was like, I was like, oh, shit, has it happened? No. People have asked to speak to my manager just because they, they, I give them an answer. That they don't like. not satisfied. Yeah, yeah so they want to talk. And then my boss says, why are you wasting my time? <laughs> like, my God boss bless your here, boss. <laughs> she's, she's awesome. The president here, she's, um, she, she's like, are you kidding? <laughs> tell them, tell them that I said exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> That's like both parents being like, daddy said no to candy. So I'm going to go ask mom. And mom says, exactly. what'd your dad say? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Or mom, mom, dad, dad didn't mean to make that sexuality specific. No, no, Could be anybody. Whatever. What is the last straw that got you out of, well, again, you probably can't answer this, but was there a moment at a previous job where you were like, I'm, I've, I'm kind of hit my max or was it mostly, you know what, I need to get more into legal stuff. So I'm going to start transitioning over into that. So I'm going to walk away from summer camp or park services or whatever the various things you've done. Was there a last straw like that? That doesn't have to be terrible, but just something that you were like, I have to be negative. Yeah. No. I, I was, uh, when I was, when I was a mentor for kids, the organization was great. I loved it. Love the kids, love the people. Uh, I mean, it's been 12 years since I worked there, but I still keep in touch with a lot of the different folks that I was, that I talked to there, but I, I, it just, it occurred to me that 
mm, I don't know how else to put it. I decided that I was mentoring kids, and it, it's it's really a question that like everybody has to deal with when it comes to like public service. You can, and it, you you do kind of have to choose. You either going to help a lot of people a little bit, or help a few people a lot. And when I was in that mentoring job, I was helping a few people a lot. But these boys that I helped, I mean, they were in classrooms full of kids that could use help. And so I was just thinking, you know, maybe I want to have a broader impact and, and frankly, help more people, but not as much as I'm helping these boys. And that, you know, that that's a, a choice you have to make because there's certainly something to be said for helping just a few people, but you're really changing those lives. Like you're really in there with them, in the trenches with them. That's that's really valuable. And I did it for years. But then I, I realized, yeah, when when I was in classrooms with my my kids there, I saw them in school and out of school, these boys that I mentored, I would be in school with them and I would just, I would see these other kids asking for the same help that I was giving to mm. my boys. And I was like, well, how can I say no? And then I was like, well, maybe, th- maybe I need to go up a level and help make choices and decisions that were affecting lots of people at the same time. You know, so now I, instead of being one-on-one with, with one person, helping them through their issue, which I do, you know, now through the phone on, on intake in my day to day, I will present to 35 people at a time, 50 people at a time, and I'm giving all this information to all of them. And then you know what? The next day, I'm presenting to a whole other group of people. And I, I, that, I've decided that's where it's at for me. Like, I really want to be helping more people and not as much now as when I was mentoring, but I can reach more people. I, I want to jump in then and add a question because I did mention or you had mentioned how uh, nonprofit burnout is real. You mentioned that in the previous section. Oh, yeah. And I want to kind of touch on that a little bit here because I just wrote down when you were listing all this stuff, I was I just literally wrote down how does he refuel? So how do you in and amongst all of this stuff, what is nonprofit burnout? Why does that happen? And how do you take care of yourself then? Yeah, I mean, not probably burnout the way I've seen it. It's just people who, you know, a lot of times it's people whose bosses aren't as cool as mine and don't say 80 hours in two weeks, period. Like some people at nonprofits work 60 hours in one week. Um, and that that takes away from your energy because I think I think the mo- one of the most valuable parts of every job I've had, including this one, is when I'm not there. And my ability to unplug and my ability to not be here. If you have a job, and, and this is true for nonprofit and for-profit, like my, my fellow lawyers, some people are making six times what I make, but they are always on call and mm-hmm. they are getting emails from their bosses or their clients or whatever. And uh, I don't have that. So for me, it's the freedom to, yeah, the freedom on the job is how much freedom I have off the job. Like when I when I turn off, I'm off and I have a flip phone. So nobody's sending me emails. I mean, people are sending them, but I'm not receiving any emails. When I'm not doing my work, I'm not doing it. And I have a boss that respects that. And not everybody has that that luxury where they're, you know, something comes up and they're they're on it immediately. Something comes up for me and I can deal with it Monday morning. Like I, I have that freedom. So for me it's um yeah, it's the ability to not be here. But at the same time, and this has been true of all of the jobs I've had, the job is also something I've really enjoyed. And, you know, this this happens for a lot of people too, like where you enjoy it so you give so much of yourself. But like these people, like they know, they came to my wedding, like they know Taya, like they came to, they were on my daughter's graduation Zoom uh, in June. Like, so like they're part of my family 
So I don't feel like I have to get away. And I see that. I've seen that in some other like internships and stuff that I've had where the people totally, they're in the office, they do their job, they give pleasantries, they go home, they get the hell out of there. They don't want to think about it. Like I, I'm not off when I, nowadays, I'm not off the clock because I hate being on the clock. I'm off the clock just because there's other stuff to do in life. But I've been in places where they are off the clock because they, you know, they go home and they got a drink. They got to do something to forget about their job. And they, they wake up Monday morning and they dread it. I'm not in a position like that. So as much as I love my off the clock time, I also am really grateful for my on the clock time and the people with whom I work. Yeah. That's lovely. Okay. Well, that doesn't transition us into this question, but I'm asking it anyway. Have you ever told a sure. customer to fuck off? Um, not in those words. Oh, have you uh, done a workaround? Yeah, I mean, there's, oh, there's people that, uh, you know, there, I, I mean, there's no one that I've just been like, we're not going to see eye to eye, the hell with you. But there's people who like, they don't, like, like I was telling you before, like, they don't accept my answer. So they want to talk to my boss who gives the same answer anyway. So I just say, you know, I'm sorry, I can't, like, ultimately, I'll say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I'm sorry, this is not what you want. And I've had to tell somebody, there was somebody who um, he called and we couldn't help his housing issue. And I said, well, that's not discrimination. We do discrimination. Here's this other number. He said, well, they're not helping me. And I said, well, I'm sorry. We do discrimination. It's not discrimination. It was like a slumlord, landlord, like affordable housing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, here are some resources, like, because we're all connected. So I knew the places that could help him. And he's just like, I'm not trying to talk to them. And and, um, sometimes the government will put out a press release about grants that you get. So we get a lot of our funding from HUD. And he's like, I read about y'all. Y'all got all this money from HUD to help people and you're not even helping me. Uh, and I, I just had to tell the guy, I was like, you know what? You're calling a basketball team and asking them to play football. <laughs> like, do you, do you understand? <laughs> like, so, so it gets contentious with, with people when we don't give them the service they want. Sure. But uh, at the end of the day, I'll just be like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And I leave it and I'll just repeat myself over and over again. Yeah. And then people will, will hang up mad at me. But well, yeah, I mean, I just have to be real. Like, hey, we can't, I can't do what you're asking me to do. Also, housing is deeply personal. And I think that by the time yes. they call you, it's yes. like I have been told no over and over and over again. And because you're transparent and you give them other op- options and you say, I literally can't help you because they got so many convoluted no's earlier on and people weren't honest with them probably by the time they get to you, then the defenses are already up. So you're trying to deal with, I'm trying to break down your defenses so you understand I'm actually on your team. I've been in that position in life before. When someone, when I finally get to somebody who can help me, I'm so burned by the previous 15 interactions where people didn't that I'm now taking it out on the 15, the 16th person who actually could help me. So I, I have compassion for that, but I, you have to set that boundary. And I think you're right to just keep repeating yourself because that realization though is really what gives me patience mm. because. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like, I know how hard whatever situation and, and that's, you know, it, it, it makes me appreciate first it makes me appreciate how lucky I am not to have had to call hope myself. Oh, uh, that's and, lovely. Rob. Kind of, discrimination is, is pretty insidious. Uh, so there's a lot of times where I'm sure I have faced discrimination. and I just didn't know it because mm. they were nice when they did it. Mm. Uh, but nonetheless, like I haven't had I haven't felt the need to call a place like this despite moving states several times. And dealing with people who don't really know me from Adam, as they say, and but they still felt like I've gotten a fair shake. So I, I appreciate that I haven't had to deal with stuff. And and then when people call and they tell stories that I can't imagine, that gives me a lot of patience. And when they're really when people are really upset, 
I, just like you said, it's so personal. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine where they're coming from. And so that, that actually pretty, pretty instantly makes me patient with them because I'm not, I don't work at some place, you know, like some high end, uh, watch fixing place or something. Where is it? I, uh, like those people, like, how do you be sympathetic with somebody who right. clearly has resources? And then on top of it, is being an asshole. Fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> That's how yeah, you deal exactly. with it. Fuck this you. This isn't that kind of place. People don't yeah. call us on their good days. People call us on their bad days. And sure. So when they start to tell their story, it gives me patience. Yeah, you're totally right. It's very emotional and personal. Yeah, and I think that that's hard to remember when you're in it. Okay, how, well, this is probably how many bodily fluids have been on you whilst you're on the clock. You can skip that because I asked that for everyone, but I doubt you've never bartended. So, <laughs> Although, when, yeah, I mean, when I work with kids, like kids <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's kids right. bleed. <laughs> yeah. Pee. Kids do all the... Yeah, kids dis- pee. Oh, my gosh. Boy, they pee a lot. It's crazy. Yes. And it's like, it, yes. there's the toilets right there. And they're so dishonest about having to go. Yes. How many times you got to ask them? Oh, this isn't that. But yeah, God love them. But I like, didn't know. I didn't have to go then. It was like five seconds ago. But imagine how amazing your life is as a kid where you literally can't stop the activity you're doing to be bothered to take 30 seconds to go pee. You're like, no, this is the most fun I've ever had. I'm just going to piss myself because I'm having such a good time. Like, okay. Uh, do you tip? Yeah. Like when I, when I, Go please, yeah. Uh-huh. How much? Yeah, yeah. Uh, depends, right? Like I do, uh, I do like the twelve to fifteen percent if it's food for lunch, and eighteen to twenty percent if it's dinner, or if they're just awesome. A That's- lot of people have shown us, like when we go out back before the virus, we would go out with our our daughter, and she'd be raising hell, and they wouldn't blink, bat an eye. Then I might p- tip half the the bill. Like it depends, but I I definitely definitely. So I tip, yeah, as a as a rule. But um, when people go above and beyond, like I, not only do I tip, I actually make a point to speak to their managers to to thank them. I do that too. That's such people. I wish people understood the impact that actually has. Because even in yeah. a non corporate setting, customer service, especially food service, is so stressful that if you pull the managers aside, it also makes the managers happy because they think you're pulling them over to the table to complain. And when you That's say right. something's nice. They it literally sets their whole day upside down and backwards in a good way. So I do that too. I I've, used to fly. I used to fly Southwest Airlines a lot uh, because Chicago and St. Louis were hubs, and I would f- call them so often that I, sometimes I would just call just to tell them thanks for having such low prices. Like I'm in college, and if it weren't for y'all, I wouldn't go back to see my parents nearly as much as I do. Like I, I would just like reach out and and say, and also like our IT guy here. Everyone here calls on him when there's a problem. So sometimes we all have his contact info. Sometimes I reach out to him just to say hello. Because <laughs> I'm like, I know you. when you see our phone number on your caller ID, you're like, oh, shit, what is this? And I'll say, I'm just actually just calling and say, hey, and thanks for everything you do. Of course. So I try to, I do try to like, you're right. Like people, you know, I guess it's like human nature or whatever to speak up when you're unhappy. So I try to speak up when I'm happy. That's lovely. Do you ever not tip? No. That's okay. never happened. Oh. Because even if someone's mad or like or bad service, like usually it's not their fault. Like usually they're, the place is understaffed. No. That's kind of, you know. I recognize that that's not their fault. Have you ever, well, I already know the answer to this. Have you ever been fired from a job? I have not. Yeah, shocking. Uh, who's <laughs> the worst customer that you can think of or like, and if you can't answer this, I will edit this out and we can just skip this. Are you okay. comfortable answering that? If not, I'll skip it. Oh, just, the, uh, no, I mean, because... 
I'm come to ask me. I just don't have a real a good answer because people call emotionally, mm-hmm. and they they call and they hold a lot against me. But I know it's because they're coming from like a sad place. That's but lovely. I haven't had anyone who I think was unreasonably bad. That's people great. definitely have been angry with me, but like we talked about before, it's it's. I happen to work in an emotional field, so I don't hold sure. it against them. I'm going to start calling you Buddha. Okay. Well, now we're going on to the good stuff. We hoped you all saved room for dessert, although that section, as is so on brand for Rob, was super positive. So we're going to go from sort of positive to barf your face off positive. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. What was the nicest thing a customer, or I guess in your case, a client has done for you whilst you were working? Or an example of something nice, if you're not comfortable speaking in hyperbole, if you can think of something that was lovely that someone did for you, like a client or a customer. You know, I, I, do, uh, I do presentations uh, for a living and um, I appreciate that you said, well, it doesn't have to be hyperbole because I do, I'll be like, oh, let's do an icebreaker. What's your favorite song? And then people are always like, oh my God. So I say, okay, it doesn't have to be your favorite. <laughs> Um, but oh, there, there is a person who uh, she and I. She was someone like I work with. She's she she she's someone I work with to help host events and stuff. But so she's not herself a client, but nonetheless, she's outside of our organization, and we kind of butted heads, and it was whatever, and we both kind of just went our ways. But then, like the next day, uh, she like gave me this big shout out on their social media. Like, we are really glad to, and you know, maybe it was just to like make up, but we had already kind of made up and it definitely wasn't necessary. We were going to continue working together, but she went out of her way to like get my boss's attention and say like, by the way, we love having this guy. And, and I have no reason to think that she thought I was going to walk away from the relationship. So it was, it was definitely unnecessary. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of like one of those things like in the moment you knew it was not necessary because I, I realized in telling this story, maybe she thought I was going to say something bad about it. Like that was not going to happen. She had no reason. She had no reason to, to think she had to do that. It it was just really nice of her to, to go back and like make a point to sing my praises. I thought that was really nice. That is really sweet. And also mm, who butts heads with you? Cause literally no one, that's ridiculous. It was clearly her fault. Okay. What's (laughs) the, uh, okay. So best, uh, that's kind of, well, again, I don't, I'm not going to ask you that because I don't want to trap you. What's the best? Oh, no, do it, do really? It. Oh, do it. Yeah. Okay. I wrote best customer, but that could be client. But if you want to, again, not hyperbole, if there was a, yeah. if you don't want to say you. There are, there are several clients who come back and call back just to like, let me know how things went. And they call back and they, they'll talk to my bosses and say, by the way, I talked to this person. So there isn't one individual who like, in doing that, it glowed more than any other, any others. And I don't mean to say, sorry, I don't mean to say there are several, like, everybody calls back and says that I'm awesome. I just meant that it's happened, like, there isn't one person that I would point out. Sure. Because, uh, because every time it happens, I'm really grateful. Because just like the, the other my, the colleague that I worked with who went back and went out of her way to, like, sing my praises when the clients do it too, like that's, that's really nice. I it actually, you know, it goes both ways. Like we were just talking about how I try to do it for other people. Uh, I appreciate it when they do it for me. That's not surprising at all. If that's what you said, what's the best lesson that you personally have learned from working with the public? Holy shit. I actually, this was be what's so like maybe not even two weeks ago, like 10 days ago, this lady called 
And she said she had been calling all these nonprofits looking for help. It had to do with eviction, whatever, whatever. And it wasn't even, it's not even in our wheelhouse. I just have the information from being on Zoom calls with other people. And I passed it on. It has to do with this, uh, the Centers for Disease Control moratorium on evictions nationally. And this lady was in a position to avail herself of that. And she didn't even know. Aww. And she had called a bunch of places and no one told her about it. And like I said, we do discrimination. That's not in our wheelhouse. She, she wasn't dealing with any discrimination. But, but I did happen to know about this thing. Hey, maybe you, your landlord's going to have to let you live there until the end of the year because of this moratorium. And I, and I walked her through the steps because I knew the steps because I was on these calls with people. And she was just like, oh, my God. Like, it really, to have her tell it, at least at the time, she said it really changed everything for her. And she had like five kids and all this, whatever. And while we were on the call, and then even after we got off the phone, and then I, I ended up going home and telling my wife and daughter about it. Because I, for me, it really woke me up to like how important this stuff is. And it's my day to day. And I'm used to telling people about discrimination and how to, how to stay in, in your home or how to have access to a home that someone's trying to keep you out of. I do it all the time, and so I don't think of it. And really, people don't usually react. They don't wear their emotions on their sleeves the way she did. And, and when she did, it, it woke me up. I was like, damn, this is the real deal. You know, like, because I'll get, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a human being. I'll get calls when I'm really not trying to take a call. Like, maybe I'm out the door or maybe I'm about to do something else. And I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, let me help you out real quick. But having her react the way she did helped me be like, you know, this is the real deal. Like, this is what you're here for. This is what you get paid for. Who knows, as we talked about earlier, earlier, who knows the ripple effects of what you're doing right now? So it was a really good lesson for me to just appreciate what I'm saying because I'm so used to saying it. Like, I've, I've, been, I've been with Hope since my last year of law school. My last year of law school, I was a, a volunteer here. And then when I graduated, long story short, I, I started working here pretty much straight away, and I got really lucky with that. So that was the beginning of my volunteering here. So I'm used to telling people, here's your rights, here's your rights, here's your rights, here's, here are your rights. But like to have her react the way she did helped me break out of that kind of the monotony and take a step back and be like, this is the real shit, like people are really getting helped. Like people are actually depending on what you're saying. Uh, so that was a really good lesson to me. Like, yeah, it's, it's, no, it's normal for me, like, because it, I have to, or else they wouldn't let me work here anymore. Like I have to do my job, but to the person I'm talking to, it may be the first time they're hearing it. May, they may not hear it again. Mm. So it's uh, it was really uh, sobering. It was a really good reminder, like of just that, you know, like this, you may not you may not, they may not, sorry, the client may not hear you hear something like this again. They might not, even though you do it all day, every day. And I think about that actually, like when, when you go to like the DMV or like another place where the person working there is seeing person after person after person, whereas you may only go to the DMV five times in your life. Like they're there all day. And I realized I am that person. Like I'm doing this all day, every day. This is what I get paid for. But to the person I'm talking to, this could be some make or break information. And because my job is outreach and not the investigations and the lawsuits, like that's not, my part is just the outreach. I don't see a lot of the clients later in the game 
in the discrimination game, I don't usually see those people because that's not my job. Like somebody else does that here. There's, there's someone else who does intake. There's someone, I mean, I do intake. We all can do intake, but there's someone who does that all day, every day. Like all those phone calls that when the phone was ringing, that's someone else's job. And, and it just rings for all of us in case people are out. Um, and then it's somebody else's job who takes the lawsuits and does the investigation. So they get to see a lot of the impact on people. I don't necessarily see that very much because I just kind of give my message and then I move on. And then if someone has a problem, they'll call my colleagues. That's who they really talk to. It's not me. I just do the outreach and then I'm on to the next group. I mean, I love, this is what, what I, I like doing a lot. It's just doing that outreach, letting people know. And if you have an issue, you have an issue. I don't necessarily see resolution very often. So when I saw it for that woman 10 days ago, it was really like, yeah, it was really eye-opening for me about how important it is. Oh, it's deeply impactful, I think, to refuel, to be like, oh, literally what I'm doing matters. And I do think we need those reminders when we're in the automated piece of, we do this five days a week, you know, 50 some odd weeks a year. Totally. What's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? Oh, the world doesn't revolve around you. Come on, Rob. Come on, <laughs> Rob. It's louder for the seats in the back. Holy yes. Shit. Yeah, like like you are you have your stuff that you're dealing with and they are they are happy to do what they're happy to do for you, but you are as someone put a long time ago, she said, in in other people's story of their lives, you are the extra. You are the supporting cast. So that person you're dealing with is a is a real person. You know, if you're dealing, you know, if it's a customer service situation where you're dealing with an actual, they are an actual person with feelings and whatever. So carry yourself as though you know that. Behave accordingly. I love that. And why are you so drawn to the public sector? Because you've been doing some version of service of others since, you know, it sounds like you first breathed oxygen outside of your mother's womb. So, (laughs) so when did, like, why, why are you so drawn to the public sector? Uh, I guess it's because I recognize how good I've had it and I appreciate it. I recognize it and I appreciate it. And I know how I'm not religious. I'm I'm an atheist, but people would say, religious people would say how blessed I've been. I just, how lucky I've been. I realize that I don't have to have what I have. And, uh, so just just out of an appreciation of that, really. That's all it really comes down to. It's not, no, no bigger than that. It's just, hey, I know how, how lucky I've had it. So, is that something ooh, that, did your parents work in the public sector? Like, did they instill this in you, or you just, you just so have they, an awareness? So, yeah. So, they, they definitely, no question, instilled it in us. My dad didn't work in that area. He was a systems, or he, he's, he's retired. Uh, he was a systems analyst for a big corporation. So, I, I honestly, it's, it's interesting. While that is not a what anyone would call a public service job, it, I I knew it was a public ser- it was a service to our family because he did not enjoy it. He did it because he had three kids. Wow! And he was putting food on the table, and so I I appreciated that he was making that sacrifice for us. My mom, though, she was a guidance counselor. She's also retired. She was a guidance counselor, so she totally was working with people, and she was a teacher before. I have two sisters. Before the three of us were born, she was a teacher, teacher. But then she she became a guidance counselor. And so she was definitely doing service. But both of them, just in the way they carried themselves and the messages we had at home, yeah, that was definitely put into me to be like, oh, you know, you don't have to have it as good as you do. I love that. 
Um, well, Rob, this has been, as I am not at all surprised to say, just lovely and positive and fantastic. And it's always good to reconnect with you. And how can people get in touch with you? Because I know, you know, you mentioned your flip phone and it's one of the most endearing things about you is how you are very fortunate to be able to be kind of disconnected from the world. I know you have some social media, but I don't want to say what it is in case you want to keep that part of your life separate. But do you want people to be able to reach out to you? Yeah. Okay. Look me up on Facebook. Okay. I'm Rob Collins Tattoo. I have, long story short. Yeah, if you look, because Rob Collins is not a... uh, Uncommon name. Unique name. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, at least not here. So, if you type it in, uh, Rob, R-O-B, Collins, C-O-L-L-I-N-S, and then Tattoo, T-A-T-U, which people may recognize as the number three in Swahili. Anyway, Rob Collins Tattoo on Facebook, but otherwise, our phone number... You can call. You can call our office three zero five six five one four six seven three, or you can email me Rob at hopefhc.com. That's Rob at h o p e f h c Fair Housing Center dot com. Rob at hopefhc.com. Love. Or you can reach out to Kate. Yeah, she's got my info. Hit me up. I will. Uh, you know, send any questions. Now, are you only able to serve help? people with discrimination issues in Florida, specifically Miami-Dade, right? So if someone in Colorado hears this and is thinking, oh, I have a discrimination case, calling you would not be the best option, correct? I am glad you asked. The short answer is our service area. Yeah, so I do Miami-Dade. My colleague does Broward, uh, which is this, the county of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, so we all, we're all part of the same organization. But if somebody has an issue anywhere in the country... They can certainly reach out to me and I can tell you who the person is to talk to and where you are because there are nonprofits like ours across the country. And it, but in the absence of nonprofits, then it's the government's job. And I can tell you who you should be talking to there. So. So, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be the fastest route from A to B to call me if you're not in in South Florida. But if you have no one else, you don't know who else to reach, then you can certainly reach out to us and then I can tell you. And I would say if that happens. If you call our office, 305-651-4673, ask for me in that case. Because um, I I mean, since my job is outreach, like I'm connected to the other people, the other entities. Like my job is to be connected to folks. So 305-651-HOPE. I love it. And as you guys, you know, as you folks have all learned, Rob is sickeningly positive in the best way and is actually a genuinely amazing human like none of this is an act this is who this person is when I came in town and I'm telling the story because I want to when I came in town for his wedding to Aaron who was equally lovely I was not really rolling in the cash and he knew that and I flew in on an overnight flight because it was cheaper and so he came and got me at the airport and then created a little space in his (laughs) in his apartment with his wife to be like hey you need some sleep have some time to sleep and then took me all over and this was the weekend of his wedding when there were 652 minimum other things he needed to do as well as the thousands of guests that deeply love him and deeply love Aaron and were there to share in that experience took time on his wedding weekend to do that. So this is the kind of human he is on and off the mic. Totally genuine. Do not just, no, you don't get to talk. Well, don't see what, how else could we have done it? There's only one Kate. You know, by the way, I call my daughter the Taya. You do. 
I love the it. Direct results of you being the key. <laughs> the key <Gabby. laughs> yeah. Oh, my ego's flourishing. Okay, well, folks, we're gonna drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service from Hell, send us your receipts at service from hell podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thank you, Rob. This was, you I know, that. thanks. That's yeah. my tag. Uh, thank you for doing this. This was so much of your time during a work day. And please thank your boss for me for letting me steal you for schooling people on this stuff. Cause I think this is just a necessary topic that doesn't get a ton of attention and well, thank you for giving it attention. It's folks like you getting us out there. I mean, we're a nonprofit. We don't have a big budget. So any and everywhere we can talk just like this. Thank you for being a platform that. Well, it is my absolute and most sincere pleasure. Um, folks, we're gonna, we're gonna, that's it. Good night. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>went to what would be called the University of Miami, otherwise known as the U for your law degree. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. And the U is how it's referenced amongst like sports fans, right? That's right. It's very arrogant. Okay. Should I take (laughs) (laughs) it? It's so ridiculous. Somebody's jealous.